Hello everybody, this is Dr. Fred. I am responsible, I am accountable, I am capable of assisting people to find their true voice and then deliver it effectively into the world around us. With 40 years in mental health, 32 of them as a psychiatrist, and then a massive amount of conversations, including podcasting and expert speaking, keynote speaking, I have the opportunity to really see the magic that it takes to find one's authentic self and then deliver it effectively into the world. And if you're like me, you can see that now more than ever, that's what's called for. So today is that day. Now is that time. Come forth. Join me in the broadcast. You'll see on the other side of this at True Voice with Dr. Fred. All right. My goodness. Yeah. Sam made fun of me last week because I have come forth in the, uh, in the first intro to this and yeah, it's great to have, uh, Sam here. So yeah, please let him in and, uh, and, uh, we're going to get started with a great conversation. So, um, my name is Dr. Fred, and one of the things I do, among other things, is I uh, have this particular podcast. It's on every Tuesday night, and apparently it's broadcast to exactly where you are, because as you're listening to it, that's how it got to you. So I don't know where you are, but I understand that there's multiple cities in the world that uh, this is broadcast to. And if you're listening to it live, I think we can make the conclusion that it actually got broadcast directly to you. So um, I don't know what else matters. It doesn't matter you're, if it got broadcast anywhere else except where you are. And so I'm really you're already you're jumping to some pretty serious conclusions here. Okay, so that's my buddy Sam taking me out of the knees early. It's six oh one, is it? Yeah, and or, or maybe six oh three, and he's already he's already interfering with my train of thought. So. <laughs> My train of thought is a train that has run off the rails most of the time. So I'm really pleased to have my train of thought disrupted so that I can get back on the track. And so let me introduce to you, uh, my good friend, in fact, my best friend, but there's a lot of people that call this man his best friend. And uh, so I'm just in a long line of people who like to declare that Sam Morris <laughs> is my best friend. And uh, I'm here to say that Sam Morris is my best friend, at least for the next hour. And, uh, you know, we can decide how things go after that. Always up for best grabs. Bre- best Morris. friend slash social fluffer. Social. Social fluffer. 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 Yeah. 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 Social fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sam, what the hell, man? I understand you just got your windshield fixed. You did not arrive. No, already. no, I didn't, man. I no, didn't. I me. went down there and they had the wrong glass for my car. I had to come wow, all dude. the way back up after spending, wasting about, oh gosh, what was it? It's been three hours now since I left my house and I just got back with no glass. So not a fruitful outcome. Not a fruitful outcome, although, you know, each minute on this planet is fruitful, Sam. That's and, true. Uh, well, whether or not you picked up some freaking glass for your windshield or not really has very little to do with the other two hours and 59 minutes that uh, would have taken to get around that. I mean, what is it about? It's true. And there's a, there's a lot of people out there who are searching for another kind of glass, and I'm glad that I'm not one of them, too. Oh, talk to me about that a little bit, Sam. Oh, it's it's the it's the uh, the nickname for meth. 
right? Yeah, it's like class. Yeah, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just glad that I'm not in that group. I know that mm-hmm. you didn't intend on talking about meth in this particular podcast, but no, you don't know that. Are. You don't know that. Actually, that's been the hashtag. The hashtag for uh, leading up to this week was we talk about meth. It's great. I'm talking about so, meth with us. Yeah. <laughs> come, so tell come me, make, uh, come make a come meth forth. together. Come We're going to make forth. a big meth. <laughs> Come forth into the meth lab. That's where we we will make a meth. A meth we're gonna make a we're gonna big make a big meth together here. Yeah, and you know that's how Mike Tyson might have said it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, listen. So, uh, let's see. You know, normally Sam and I go down this track of like heavy heavy. Uh, what do we call it? Like a heavy existentialism and heavy, you know, heavy like mysticism and heavy like philosophies that end up going down rabbit holes. And really, I imagine for a guest, Sam, it's like, you know, they got to strap in and put on their shoulder harness and everything just to hang on with us. And today, probably no different, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Let's let's talk a little bit. You know, we uh, we just spent the afternoon together, and uh, actually, I'm I am driving home up north from Ohio, so I'm about a couple hours away from Sam at this point. And uh, let's talk a little bit. What's on top of mind for you, Sam? Give me give me a clue. Some of the things that are going on uh, in your life that might be worth sharing with us. Good Lord, what is top of mind? Wow. Um, all right. <clears throat> so let's start with this. Uh, I was just listening to a very interesting interview that Jordan Peterson was conducting on my drive home from the uh, windshield place. Uh And it was all about the uh, issues going on with the World Economic Forum Mm -hmm. and the uh, farmers in Holland Mm. and the pressures being put on. I don't know a whole lot about this issue. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, apparently it's all, uh, it's it, Holland, it's Holland and Netherlands, right? It's like, Holland it's like and our, Netherlands, which are, yeah. which have apparently they are, they supply something like the half of the, the global food chain or a global food supply there. Um, of, of course, Ukraine is another place that, yeah. uh, that, uh, supplies a huge amount of food to the world. And uh, there are all of these pressures on the farmers uh, and uh, there's a sort of a, 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 I I don't understand the political ramifications enough, but there is apparently a very good reason to predict an upcoming famine and uh, further pandemic related to the famine. And, uh, you know, really dark stuff, really like, ouch, this this hurts, but I can feel the real possibility of us going in this direction over the course of the next several months or year or whatever. Uh, it didn't look that the prognosis was not optimistic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And so uh, I, I'm I'm trying to, so in the back of my mind, because of the fact that I, no, I orient a lot around um, what we might call sort of spiritual pragmatism in my own life and also the responsibilities that each one of us individually have for uh, taking ownership of our 
life and our experience and not being bound by the circumstances, the externalities, et cetera. Uh, I have just been sort of playing in the back of my mind around the uh, issues of what do you do in a time of great global disruption uh, to maintain a sense of uh, spiritual sovereignty and responsibility and to um, not be in denial of the circumstances that are incredibly challenging, like, like as challenging as it comes challenging in the, you know, there is predictions of possibly millions upon millions of people perishing from, uh, upcoming famine and other challenges, pandemics and so forth. So where does that then meet up with spiritual responsibility and autonomy and sovereignty and all of these principles and values that I hold dearly and very much believe in? Uh, and this is very much, uh, uh, um, you know, a rhetorical inquiry essentially. Uh, mm. not necessarily something that has any particular answer per se, but this is kind of what mm. I'm been mulling over in the back of my mind. Mm. Well, Sam, thanks for brightening our day. Really <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> things were getting we a little here, bit, Fred? things were getting a little bit dark around here until you brought us that kind of news. Nice, nice. Thanks for giving us all of your so-called top of mind. Each and every one of us is enriched yeah. by your genius on that uh, one, Mr. Now Morris. you wish you hadn't asked. And now let's look at this. Let's look at, there's two places I want to look at. I, number one, what's the story? I mean, look, I, I, Jordan Peterson, Daily Wire, you know, and, and some of the work that's being done there and, you know, his tweets and, you know, the man is slowly becoming at least one of, if not the most listenable or controversial or loud or intellectual or sound or raw or, you know, famous or whatever he is, he's sure bringing something that has a lot of people paying attention to him and even more than Klaus, you know, I mean, it's almost like he is by, by becoming one who speaks a truth is, uh, gaining his own sort of weird sense of um, oligarchical power simply by being the vocal journalist that he is like he all yeah. like he's he's earning a level of power that we at least for the most part can still listen to him as if he's viable and worthy of our listening but you know it is all these people that rose to the top, at least for a moment, were listenable until they got to this teetering stage where maybe they then became evil and nefarious or, you know, uh, uh, mm, with with ulterior motives, etc. So, yeah. A, what's the world economic? What does Klaus have to do? What's going on with the world economic form and how does that lead to, to famine? Can you give us just a quick thumbnail of what jordan was pointing to well essentially he's just what he's describing is a uh, a sort of a, a a utopian um type of future that is being um imagined by 
uh, World Economic Forum and some of the elite intelligentsia and power players in the world. Uh, and a lot of this is not something that is, I, I, I think that, you know, it could easily be written off as conspiratorial until you seem to see some of the, the big moves that they're making. And uh, I, we, I don't think it takes that much of a stretch to look at Bill Gates being the, the number one landowner in the, in America and cutting off a lot of the farmland. Uh, there, there's, I don't, I have to say, just full dis- disclaimer, I do not understand the ins and outs of this adequately adequately enough to be able to uh, make an intelligent argument either way. <clears throat> and I also recognize that Jordan Peterson himself is a human being with his own uh, propensities for reaction and bias and so forth. And I know that recently he's been called out by uh, even by people who admire him, uh, that he has become increasingly reactionary and uh, and uh, increasingly sort of doubled down on his political viewpoints versus maintaining a sort of sober, neutral, uh, academic type of uh, perspective. So mm-hmm. I get all that. I'm aware of all that. Uh, and I don't really, un- I don't really know the details enough about what is happening with the Netherlands and Holland and the farms and so forth to really be able to make a accurate assessment or, you know, even come close. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think that, you know, Peterson is an, a very interesting figure these days because he is highly polarizing and, I think that uh, he has, uh, ultimately, my sense is that he has good intentions, but that he also is highly reactive and that there is a way in which his reactivity can invoke fear in people and fear Mm -hmm. can invoke hatred Mm -hmm. and uh, hatred can turn into violence very easily. So Mm -hmm. uh, then the, the... question for me then becomes how responsible is he being with his level of power and influence in the mm-hmm. way in which, uh, and, and this sort of segues into your topic here, which is always true voice. And so, you know, one can say that they are embodying their true voice and that what they are, where they are communicating from is their truth. And yet at the same time, that truth can, can turn into violence uh, and especially in scalable violence, if that person has a large enough platform and uh, and there is a, a fear, or anger or hatred that uh, gets brewed by mm. that influence. So, yeah. So fear, anger, hatred, violence cascade. Uh, so, you know, speaking truth or even speaking truth through uh, potentially reactionary filter to uh, fear, angry, hatred, violence cascade. You know, it's interesting that you say this because um, the other place that I was going to go, which I think will, maybe we can take a look at this together. Uh, It's something um, we have talked about. And I think I just recently read 
<sighs> maybe from Eisenstein or from maybe from I don't know actually Alan Watts. I'm not sure, but there's something about or Prince Stash for matters is something about to commit violence because of anger and fear and hatred. Um, it sort of bounces over the point that this life isn't really about pushing back on the external world being as it is. In other words, the external world is what it is. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's an incentive to fight and be violent and, you know, take out the other side and, um, blame and shame and guilt and torture. But maybe the game that we're playing here has nothing really that if you want to live a, a higher vibration life, maybe it has nothing to do with the external environment outside based stressors. That uh, and I really, think that that's I think that that's perhaps, uh, I think that points to my uh, inquiry earlier related to the spiritual evolution uh, and responsibilities that we all have individually in terms of how we, how we take the inputs and what we do with those inputs from the external environment and what that then triggers inside of us, which you know, you and I have both been around long enough to recognize that inputs coming from the external environment that uh, are that we we might describe as negative or challenging or that are opposing to our what we feel are our individual sovereign rights. Uh, those inputs, in other words, any external source, whether that's a communication from a partner or a, a child or that is uh, something that is an input from the news cycle or whatever, it, it, we have a responsibility towards to, to what we do with that input. And th so that's kind of where I am left with this sort of open question. And again, it's a somewhat uh, rhetorical question is, what happens when we are challenged by external circumstances, which we say, this does not fit my model of reality as I want to experience it. And it is a threat to my very sense of survival. Then what do we do with that input? And yeah. frequently those triggers get caused by irrational things, such as arguments with a spouse or whatever, or a boss or whatever. Those same inputs can create that same re survival response and then mm -hmm. create a, a fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm -hmm. um, but on a larger global level, you know, it, maybe same rules apply, I suppose, and, you know, if we look at Viktor Frankl, um, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, uh, and he was stripped to absolutely nothing and uh, in three different concentration camps in World War II. And he, you know, spent that whole time not knowing whether he was going to be the next one selected to go to the gas chamber, but realizing that he still had a certain amount of personal agency based on his connection to a deeper sense of meaning 
that was that seemed to help him to stay alive. So even in the most dire circumstances, it does seem that we do have some sort of agency still available to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, can breathe that in a little bit. I there really it seems like one of the things that gets washed out in this conversation is levity or humor or warmth or compassion or love, like in some ways, you know, this is a conversation that doesn't lend itself to like the next good joke or, uh, you know, <laughs> something like, like your favorite, you know, volleyball team or something. It's not, it's like, there's a new level of gravity that comes with these apparent earth threatening circumstances and interactions from those with what they think is more power than us so does the world economic forum the members of that uh group do do you think that they actually are more powerful than you know joe the bartender or or uh me or you or where where, how do we measure power in a world like how do we measure power i think that's exactly right um if we measure power based on the ability to influence certain structures and systems globally, then yes. If that's the standard of measurement that we are looking at. If we are looking at power from a more spiritual perspective, I would say no. In fact, uh, it could be argued that a challenging influence coming from an external input creates the opportunity for a spiritual leap. There's a quantum leap that is uh, presented as an opportunity through that negative influence, through Mm -hmm. how we choose to respond to it. And I think uh, reactivity keeps us at a low level of uh, power in which in, in, in a certain respect, we are contributing unconsciously to feeling powerless when we are in a space of reaction and we can't, we simply can't create levity. Uh, but if we take the same challenge and respond differently and, and, and uh, resist the urge to uh, have a survival response towards that input, then we can actually potentially use that as an opportunity for uh, spiritual growth. How, how do you, how do you feel about that? Um, I actually got cut off by a second. So can you hit me up again with that? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think it bears repeating anyway. Uh, So I'm just saying that uh, theoretically, a challenging circumstance circumstance coming from the external environment Mm -hmm. can actually provide an opportunity for spiritual growth. Yeah. It can either be, if, if that challenging circumstance meets up to, uh, meets up with our default reactive mode within ourselves and we we experience say for example something happens in the news or god forbid you know someone comes and you know there's a lightning strike and it i don't know destroys part of your house burns part of your house down negative situation very challenging no one would want it to happen now if that creates some type of a reactive response that makes me then feel powerless in terms of how I deal with that event, 
then in some ways I'm contributing to my own sense of powerlessness through that mm -hmm. reactivity. The reactivity is actually affirming the sense of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. Whereas the same exact circumstance could happen. And rather than react to it, I could look at it as how do I want to move and shift with this circumstance? What do I want to do right. where I can practice a, my own sense of agency? I can diffuse the reactive energy around the negative circumstance and I can move and pivot with it versus react to it. And in doing so, I have actually just practiced my own agency in controlling my own sense of well-being in the midst of challenging circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, then, then there is not a single thing theoretically, theoretically that cannot contribute to spiritual growth. It's amazing. Look, I, I, this is a, this is what's here to be had. And I could say, you know, it sounds good. And, you know, I might be able to handle the next hit of famine or hundreds of millions of people dying in the streets by actually stepping into my spiritual growth uh, such that I simply see this as a challenge to find purpose and meaning and agency in this one wild life that we have. We can do that, at least theoretically. But the truth is, you know, when my air conditioner isn't work, I, I, I go freaking nuts, you know, and uh, I, 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 it doesn't have to be a very large hit for me to have at least temporarily the bottom drop out. And even if I call myself rather evolved or rather spiritually sound or rather wise or, you know, I've seen and done that or read and heard that you know, it doesn't take much but a one domino to fall to leave me <laughs> in this so-called reactive mode rather than drawing from the spiritual truth that this one life of ours is uh, temporary and, you know, don't forget that it's impermanent and don't forget that, you know, my intention is never to hurt a sentient being or something. It's like, what what am I going to do or what can we do when let, let's 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 just say there is some chaotic violence which sure does seem like it's around the corner somewhere if it's not happening right this very moment it probably is um, or let's say there's some gross violent or violence or famine or pandemic or or, or uh, like that uh, what's to steady us like what is what should we if we're going to use that as a spiritual tool rather than something to um, to push back against or to vindicate or to hurt the perpetrators if we're going to use this as a spiritual tool, do you have an idea of where to start from? I mean, like, yeah, well, my idea of where to start from, I think it's an excellent question. And maybe around the time I wrap, we can switch to a commercial since we are about halfway yeah, through here. Yeah. Uh, but my, my, my sense of that is 
start now with establishing your resilient structure for your life. Uh, and the way that I think that that happens best is through being of genuine service and involvement with your community, with your family and your community. You know, make yourself valuable before shit goes down is my sort of cautionary kind of uh, communication, I suppose. Because if you're, if you are not making yourself valuable to your community, then the chances of you being overlooked when it comes time to, uh, when you need help, and we all need help at some point, if you are not contributing to your community and you're not valued by your community, you're not going to get the type of help that someone does who takes a real strong, authentic, heart-centered leadership role in your community. Um, and that so the community helps us be resilient. I love that. Thank you so much. I agree. Um, let's uh, let's do two things here. I think a commercial is a great idea. Um, and I want to give out the phone number in case there's anyone out there waiting on bated breath to drop their comment, question, suggestion into our talk. So uh, that number to call us uh, if you'd like to speak with us, and we'll be on for about a half hour more, 25 minutes or a half hour, is 1-888-627-6008. 1-888-627-6008. Um, this is Dr. Fred, and you know, you're at True Voice with Dr. Fred, my co-host, my good friend and genius intellectual Zen warrior Sam Morris are here kicking around the end of the world as we know it and how to uh, respond effectively to that. And if that sounds like an exciting conversation that you want to take on with us with a little bit of levity, a little bit of humor, maybe do some, some, you know, salsa or tango dancing, then that would be great. And give us a call. 1-888-627-6008. Let's head off to commercial. See you soon, Sam. See you soon. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Fred again. I wanted to explain to you a little bit about one of the names I have called the Undoctor. What is the Undoctor? Well, after about 15 years in the field of me being misaligned with what I was doing, because I was medicating people even knowing that medications were not the right answer, and I was diagnosing people even though I didn't always believe that they had the diagnosis that I said that they had, even though they did meet the criteria, etc. I like seeing humans for exactly who they are and who they're not, and not as a diagnosis. So in 2006, I began the process of becoming the undoctor. I unmedicated, undiagnosed, and then undoctrinated a bunch of people. Like people no longer had to come to a psychiatrist because their condition's clear. This isn't true for everyone, it may not be true for you, but for some folks who know that their diagnosis doesn't fit and who know that they don't wanna keep going through with medications and don't wanna be seen as someone who's defective or afflicted, this turned out to be a great intervention. Over time, I stopped doing that and I no longer do a whole lot of conventional psychiatry. Now I just help people walk through their life and find their true voice. I connect with people straight up, not as if there's a power gradient between a doctor and a patient, but it's two humans connecting and resonating with each other. 
As it turns out, that's where all healing emanates from. So today, I've developed the Welcome to Humanity brand over the last six or seven years, and that really takes into consideration all of this. It is self-explanatory. Basically, each and every experience that we have with humanity is just as exquisite as another, even if it's deeply uncomfortable. From there, we get to actually share these human experiences. From there, we get to resonate and connect, and from there, healing takes place. I also have been helping people with their true voice, and that's why you're here today at True Voice with Dr. Fred. I help people find that true voice, really their authentic self, their core value system, and then deliver it effectively into a world that is eagerly awaiting to hear you. Without your voice, no one will ever hear you. And without your true voice, no one will ever know you. But with your true voice, you can find healing, peace, and love. True voice is what it takes to end all wars. So welcome to True Voice with Dr. Fred. Yeah, so I want to say something about that commercial. Um, we're back with Dr. Fred and myself and, and uh, uh, my good friend and co-host, Sam Morris. The uh, course I just created is called the True Voice Course. And um, that course is built on a template of podcasting being an excellent um, platform to actually deliver on that, which we are calling your true voice. And what I want people to hear is that your true voice isn't what you think it is. Your true voice isn't about like finally speaking up against sex trafficking. It's not about finally speaking up against the, you know, the uh, uh, economic forum. It's not about that. It's actually about digging in and finding this piece, the nugget, those things inside of you that are actually consistent with or close enough to being consistent and resonating harmonically with your very core self. And then getting access to expressing that. Now, the True Voice course looks at this in multiple ways. We wash away the things that are obscuring your capacity to get to your True Voice, giving you equal or even a deeper access to that which really matters to you. And it might be something as silly as petunias in Arkansas, or maybe it is about racism or global warming or Maybe it is about ending wars or maybe it's about, you know, preventing famine and pandemics, or maybe it's just about what color dresses uh, look best in the summer. It can be about anything. And what we're really getting is that that authentic self, like coming from an authentic self is independent of the content that drips out of your mouth. So we incorporate a couple other courses. You With this class, you get uh, True Voice Podcasting. You get the whole course, a 12-week course with six modules, 18 lessons, 54 prompts, a 60-page workbook. And then you get access to this great community called the True Voice Tribe. That's an exclusive community where we really look at how to dig deeper uh, into uh, finding that true voice using multiple methodologies, including my Creative 8 methods, which uh, just to give you a little teaser, our art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, and gardening, among others, to find our true voice. And then we also incorporate um, some of the other uh, activities that lead to the growth and development that Sam and I are referencing today when taking on 
what appears to be global calamity or, or, or it isn't if it's not global calamity, it sure does appear to be um, imminent doom at some level or chaos or a world for which we've never lived in before, where we're left much more vulnerable, where the idea of a house burning down isn't that big a deal or where the idea of you know, a war on our homeland isn't a big deal or the idea of, you know, people dropping in the streets or running out of food or causing mass violence somehow doesn't seem to be so far away. How are we likely to remain stable? This course takes a look at that by getting us down to the core of what's important, by getting us down to the core of what really matters independent of the external world around us. There is a conceivability, a possibility that we, not only like Viktor Frankl, but like all humans, can see that this temporary world is a constant testing challenge to take on the um, ups and downs of the external environment as it's filtered on through to us and figure out a way to make and continue to make uh, this place or our experience better than it was yesterday as a way of managing life. And there is no greater challenge than that. And frankly, each and every one of us is facing that. The True Voice course takes that into consideration. I invite you to take a peek. I'm still accepting 10 new people at the half price point. Uh, your only uh, commitment if you come in at half, half price, and that's a killer deal. I mean, full price is actually a killer deal. But you come in at half price, and we uh, all I want you to do is give me feedback on how the course either worked or didn't work for you. It's a 12-week-based course. You get every module. You get a lifelong subscription. You get tapes of the previous summits and forums that I've done, and you get uh, tapes of all the previous True Voice podcasting courses, as well as access to incredible um, expert speakers and, like I said, supplemental material that really are geared towards a fun and easy and productive way of finding your true voice. So that's the true voice podcasting uh, methodology in a nutshell. And you can find it at truevoicepodcasting.com. And the course itself is called the true voice course, which you will find there. If you have any interest in talking to me further about that, my email is drfred at welcome to humanity.net. I'd be really, really happy to talk to you further about that. And I look, it can be anywhere in the world. You can join anytime you want. It's a self-paced course, but you do get me twice a month for 90 minutes as we go through some mastermind material that really helps us, again, continue to dig down to our core values. So thank you for hearing me extend the commercial a bit. And now we're going to go back to our previously scheduled broadcast where we were talking very openly about the brutal end of the world that is imminent. And Sam, welcome back. Well, I'm still, frankly, mulling over the fact that you trivialized the lives of petunia growers in Arkansas. Exactly, right? (laughs) I just let that one slip right out. You said it's nothing nothing silly like petunia growing in Arkansas. I'm like, what's what's so silly about petunia growing in Arkansas? Nothing silly. We might have a petunia grower in Arkansas right now who's deeply offended by that remark. Right. No, it's possible. And there, then, and that would be exactly the kind of thing: is that how offended should he be, and or she, for that matter? And is it enough for they? They? He? (laughs) Oh, he? He? She? And they? Actually? Oh, yeah. The Petunia family. Yes. And, yeah, and exactly. should they come after me? Should they? Should they? they probably. You know, should they, 
you should yeah. probably be canceled by the petunia growers society yeah. of america i yeah. think so yeah i think the petunia so, the petunia union yeah petunia mm-hmm. it's a petunia 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 oh, oh no see we can still find humor even in the midst of calamity we've just proven that the the theory is correct Sam, do you think it's kind of a freaking miracle every time you wake up in the morning? Are you kind of surprised that the world hasn't ended in the last nine hours before you actually hit the bed? Does that ever surprise you like that? Where you wake up every like, time I on? watch another Instagram or TikTok reel, I'm surprised that the world hasn't ended. Forget waking yeah, up right. in the morning. Yeah, know? I'm like, how how is it that that the level of ignorance uh, and uh, just um, complete dismissal of anything real can be so prevalent and we still have a semi-functioning world that with potential possibilities that still exist within this wild crazy structure created sam the uh you know, we've gone through a change here in the last couple of years where we call meetings, you know, basically the best we can hope for for an intimate meeting is staring at a pixelated screen at some level and then saying that we were with each other. When, in fact, we can't be with each other if we're in like two different cities, let alone not in the same room. So the illusion of being with each other has shifted considerably. You know, when we were when we were born or even for the first, you know, 30 years of our life or longer the idea that we could actually say we were with someone and being with someone when in fact we were in two different like countries um, it was absurd. You know, it was like that would never happen. And now it's happenstance. Now it's like, yeah, you want to, you want to talk, you know, want to meet, let's meet. And I can meet with anyone from Zurich or from Arkansas or from Singapore or frankly anywhere. Uh, but supposedly by just uh, picking up a screen, staring down these pixels, and then doing all the illusions that I do, you know, based on a flat screen representation of a human over there. Um, and then saying that I spent time with you. It seems like this little piece here is a big part of a contribution to the potential end of the world that we're um, fantasizing about here. What do, you, what do you think? Slippery slope. Slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I find it very fascinating that, uh, you know, on a Zoom call, we could say that we had a meeting that we got together, you know, and that sort of thing would would fly. Most people would understand exactly what we meant. But uh, the same sort of thing wouldn't hold true for a phone call. Uh, So it's really interesting. If you look at, you know, 10 years ago, you know, before we were all, I guess people were using Skype back then, but maybe look 15, 20 years ago when we were on the phone with someone. We would, I guess we might say we had a phone meeting, but it it didn't have the same level of perceived intimacy that uh, a Zoom call does. And now I think just with the added uh, pixel pixels of actually being able to see another individual who we can recognize as a human being, uh, it's basically the same damn thing as a phone call, except it's usually poorer quality. And uh, but the fact that our visual sense is uh, now involved means that there is a looser sort of definition of what we uh, call meeting. Uh, And I would imagine that as things progress into this metaverse, God forbid, uh, seems to be something that's happening, whether we like it or not, 
But as we sort of go more and more in that direction, I suppose it's a slippery slope to completely forgetting that there was any difference. There was ever any time where meeting meant actually getting together with physical bodies and interacting. So, yeah, this is really interesting, too. So in the world of, you know, being um, surveyed or uh, surveyed, what is it called when you're under surveillance? Not surveyed, but surveillance, surveillance or something uh, monitored you know in the world of being monitored, monitored yeah. um you know it seems like we treat zoom as if it's innocuous you know as if maybe no one is listening or they got better things to do than hear us talk about shit and so like you know why like like somehow this isn't uh, when we're talking on zoom that this is somehow like open forum to say what we want with that with impunity you know it's like mm. maybe that's not the case sam maybe we're all you know maybe it, it, it does do privacy issues mess with you the idea that really someone could be watching you every single second through the window or through the door or even if you don't know that they're watching uh, you know, through your phone or through whatever, you know, like here that you, that you might be being surveyed uh, or monitored. How does that affect when you feel like, you know, your privacy, whether you're in the restroom or you're having sex or you're re, you know, or whatever you're doing uh, with your life where you would maybe count on having a little privacy. What would it mean to you if that was simply totally gone, that you knew that at any time, always, everything you do can be monitored and is being monitored by an outside force? Would that make you more careful or less careful with what you did with your life, if anything? Uh, well, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it's one of the reasons, it's the main reason why I've uh, not downloaded TikTok. Uh, because it's um, China, it's the Chinese government is is uh, collecting data on all TikTok users. That is far more data than than I think is appropriate. And uh, I have very little trust in the U.S. government. I have no trust whatsoever in the in the uh, Chinese government. And so uh, that is why I have not downloaded TikTok, and I don't use TikTok. Uh, but to sort of, I suppose the question is, I'm less concerned about my privacy. I'm more concerned about what ramifications happen without my privacy. That I'm, I'm more concerned about being, say, blacklisted for certain freedoms that I can now exercise and find that those freedoms are no longer available because I have said X, Y, and Z. And now, oh, that means, you know, now we can look at the fact that Sam Morris, uh, we know exactly who this guy is and where he comes from. We can look at his driver's license. We can tell this is the exact Sam Morris that said something that uh, was questioning of authority and now he can no longer he no longer has his flight privileges or he can no longer um purchase a home or register or a car or yeah. whatever the uh, and and i don't think that that's necessarily far off i i think that 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 possibility 
it may seem far off by our existing um, rationale, but I, I believe that there are malevolent players out there who could easily justify uh, taking that level of control and using our data in that manner. And so that is what concerns me. So in theory, yeah. I don't mind if someone sees me, you know, having sex in a bathroom. If they want to get, watch that, let them watch that. It's if if my freedoms ultimately are impacted by that same data. Yeah, yeah. You could you could definitely lose some social score if they caught you having sex in a bathroom because you. You just don't know. You don't know who at their way. Or they could give you more score. That's the other thing. Maybe they could you could actually... get more score. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a good thing. <laughs> so when you're. Well, you know, it makes me think of this whole social credit score thing that they've got going that's on. That's what China. I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. So, the, you know, what if you found out good that you weren't. Enforced. What if you found out that, you know, you weren't allowed to shop for food anymore? Uh, well, I suppose I would uh, have to find other ways of accessing food and maybe right? grow my own. I don't know. I don't know what that would entail. I I think that's it's not a it's not a bad question to consider and to potentially have a backup plan for. I know, and I can't have a backup plan for all the many things that possibly could happen. So let's yeah. look at this. So let's say we have a stress. Let's say, you know, the mainland gets attacked. The economy crashes. The uh, power grid goes off. So we have no Internet. And, uh, you know, so we don't have a U.S. dollar. We have an attacked nation. We have uh, a pandemic, you know, busting through our country and uh, or our world. And, uh, you know, and then the wrong person's running for president and. And, you know, and then and then we also have like other issues going on. This is the kind of thing like other issues you didn't even expect. Not only can you not fly, you actually can't leave your house. And not only can you not leave your house while you're in your house, you need to have like a monitor on you at all times or else we're going to come and get you. What we have to have is a cell phone and then that there, there's the monitor right there. There's the monitor right there. So is there a space there to go Victor Frankl? You know, is there a space or is that exactly when Victor Frankl gets kicked in? Is it, when is it that you finally get, oh yeah, oh yeah, this end of this world might be an actual gift. Like it might be just time to leave and that's, this is my way out. And that's, you know, thank you. Thank you for the, thank you for your hospitality earth, but I got to go now. Uh, Where can we, where can we go for peace of mind should any or all or things like that happen to us? Yeah. Well, I suppose that any and all situation uh, seems to also come with possibilities that we might not formally recognize in advance too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, So uh, right now, if I imagine the hypothetical situation that is similar to what you described, it sounds friggin' awful. Uh, it sounds awful as an individual to go through that individually. It sounds awful as something that we might have to go through collectively. And then I also am well aware of the fact that there are 
unexpected consequences that can be quite positive, even from seemingly negative circumstances. And that no situation that I know of in the history of the world has been either one or the other, a uniquely positive or a uniquely negative situation. Uh, where every disaster in the history of the world has also uh, could could also potentially catalyze something positive from it, and mm. that whatever that is is not known at the time of the situation itself. It can't be mm-hmm. known. It's an evolutionary process. So, uh, I I I I think that if the If the if nature continues to operate the way that it seems to, my sense is that there will be some sort of evolutionary adaptation where we may or may not look like the existing forms that we are right now. We may or may not communicate like the existing forms that we are right now. Uh, life on Earth will continue in some form. And I have no doubt about that. Uh, the question is how and what will we need to do to adapt and what sort of, will there be a moral philosophy that follows? If so, mm-hmm. what will it, will, what will be its basis? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, are, are we, are we shifting towards a, a humanist um, sort of atheist perspective that is reliant on technology for keeping the faith in the future of humanity, or will we uh, in, in a certain way readopt certain mythological uh, sorts of um, ways of thinking and, and being that are based on uh, sort of old paradigms of religious sensitivities. Uh, there's anything is possible. Anything is possible. I, I yeah. think that yeah. Yeah. You think the Lions will ever win a Super Bowl? Because <laughs> I hear you about everything being possible, but that seems way outside no, the realm. I don't think. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of things yeah. that could happen, but there always has to be a. There always has to be an exception to every rule. Yeah, I hear you, Sam. We've, we're running out of time here, so uh, the uh, I, I you know for. And for you Lion fans who hung in here through to this and then realized that that shit's never happening, let's just get over that. I am very sorry to bring the final kaboom to the end of this talk. Uh, Sam, thanks for keeping the talk so fresh, alive, and, and hum- you know, humbly uh, humorous. Uh, it's been a very funny talk that we've had. And uh, I haven't laughed because I was laughing inside, you know, most of the time. And uh didn't come out as laughter, really. So, uh, listen, everyone, thank you so much for making it through, Sam. It's already 6.57 shit. We got to say goodbye. Uh, I hope you join us next week. Thanks for being here for True Voice uh, with Dr. Fred. Look, we're not meant to leave you on a downer. This isn't about Debbie Downer at all. This is a, there's some things that are going on or seem to be going on, and maybe some of this actually touched up against a nerf that you see happening or maybe we said something that you either kind of disagree with or, or do, you know, kind of agree with. This isn't about agreement. This isn't about disagreement. It's not about getting mad at us for saying or not saying certain things. 
it's a matter of really looking at yourself and deciding what is your true voice? Well, how are you going to make a difference in the world? In this one precious world, how are you going to say what's important to you and listen to others say what's important to them and come out of here having left the place a little bit better than when you arrived? Because if you can do that, you lived a successful life. Sam Morris, thanks for being with us today, as usual. Beautiful. And uh, we'll catch you soon, if not next Tuesday. Anything you want to say in closing? Love you, Fred. I'm looking forward to next time. All right. I love you too, Sam. And I love you all who, especially those who are tuning in each and every week. But if you do, you know, like and subscribe and do all those things so that uh, you can help us uh, walk into the next conversation and actually make a difference for other people. Uh, Thanks for being on True Voice with Dr. Fred. I love you. I thank you. And we will catch you on the flip side. Bye for now. Cheers, all. Cheers. Hello, everybody. And I just wanted to thank you for getting through another episode of True Voice with Dr. Fred. Wasn't that great? It is so much fun to interact with people and then interact with my listenership about really finding true voice and then bringing it forward. I really have never done anything more important than this, and I'm finally aligned with myself by helping others find their true voice. Let's find your alignment. What do you really want in your life? 